Yeah, I just learned Edinburgh is like the most haunted city in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah, my because my friend Eliza who works in Baby Wants Candy, she was telling me that it's because during the fucking Black Plague they didn't help people; they just boarded people into their houses. <laughs> And then built new houses on top of all those old houses. Oh, wow. Like, built around, like, the plague, like, crates, essentially, that they created. (laughs) We were in the most, apparently, the most haunted pub in Edinburgh last night. What is it? Banshee's Labyrinth. I'm fucking going. Yeah. The Banshee's Labyrinth? That's what it's called. I didn't see sponsored for the podcast. Unfortunately. Do you believe in ghosts? Sometimes. It depends. I think I've been... I think I've been in the same room as a ghost before. Really? Like, I've had uh, two experiences in going in and out of sleep, and it might just be related to sleeping problems I've had before, but I can tell you that I felt, like, a hard, like, tap on my shoulder a couple of times. Like, as I was drifting off to sleep, I felt like a bap, bap, like, on my my collarbone. Oh, wow. And I, like, out loud, I remember (laughs) going, like, hey, if there really is a ghost in here, please don't. Please don't do anything. Like, you can stay here. Just, like, please don't fuck, please don't fuck with me. Thank you for bringing me on your ghost podcast. Of course. You're so welcome. I'm your host, Jimmy Cavanaugh. And I'm the special guest, Hunter Sailing. And we, we are, are Comic Swapping Comics. for it while it plays. Get some room tone. Get some room tone. And how long is your intro song usually? Uh, it's about um, 20 seconds, but we kind of overlap it with the audio. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want it. Oh, is it? Okay, I think it's done. Okay, we got it? Right. Yeah. I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, great. Lovely. Nice. Thank you for having me on, by of the way. Of course. Yeah. By the way, I'm here with Hunter Sailing, uh, star of stage. <laughs> <laughs> So, no. <laughs> no, I'm here specifically with you because I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe with Business Casual. Business Casual are uh, Stamptown's newest sketch comedy act who are performing yeah. the under, uh, Underbelly. The Underbelly. You were going to say Utterbelly. I was going to say That is a venue in the Underbelly, ah, so but it's tricky because the, the mascot's a cow. Yeah. So it looks guys, like it's the underbelly of a cow, which is the udders, which, yeah, connected so, to the belly. Listen, they've thought about this. We're just a couple of milky boys here just doing milky some, boys. some comedy. Yeah. We call it sketch, but that's just the closest thing that we can Yeah, it's it. a real, like, clowning, physical slapstick show. Yeah. There no, are sketches in it. There are, sort of, yeah. It's more like a, and I don't mean this in no, any sense yeah, it's like a bits show. Yeah, there's it is a bits, bits show. Yeah, there's loads of bits that don't really, like, have beginnings or ends they all just kind of sort of go into one another we started out just doing improv mm. a couple of years ago and then actually you guys have a lovely story about how you got your name yeah we do so me and Corey didn't get on to we all went to ucla uh, in the school of theater uh shout out mm, i have that in my notes here yes you do just i see graduated that from ucla <laughs> um and we all met there and me and Corey were best friends instantly because we have like a crazy like ships in the night sort of like history of both growing up in San Diego and never meeting each other but knowing a lot of the same people and being in the same areas but we both got into that program and went there and then Jeremy got onto the UCLA improv team which eventually all three of us were on Mm. but me and Corey didn't um, because we both didn't go to the callback because we had other things to do (laughs) (laughs) we always say we didn't get on it's no one's fault but our own Um, and so the two of us really were talking about it and we really admired 
and we were also both really into two-man improv which cool. is i think the hardest improv to do yeah or i guess one man improv but that's just improvised stand-up yeah but and two-man improv is incredibly hard to do but we started doing it um semi-successfully we started doing like parts on other people's shows okay we did our we we held a sh- we rented the theater in westwood and did our uh, did our own show and only five of our friends came amazing and then eventually um, at that theater, it's called the Improv Space in Westwood. Shouts out! Uh, every Wednesday they have an improv jam, so you can uh, just put your name in a hat, and then they'll pull up uh, about eight people at a time, no and way. You, uh, random people, and you do ten minutes, and then for that's for the first hour, and then for the second hour, you can bring your team, and we'll give your team ten minutes. That first so hour maybe- sounds difficult it's for improv, great to, practice yeah for being able to justify anything that anyone else says yeah because and i mean it's crazy people like yeah crazy <laughs> people and people who don't do improv which i mean hey good for you for getting out and doing some improv but if it's it's the if it's one of the main things that you have experience in and have been doing it for a while it's it can be incredibly frustrating mm. but the, a good way to take it we learned was just to Use it as practice just to justify insane things <laughs> and really just try to be able to turn anything on its head, which in some cases you just can't do. But in any case, we would then do the team bit, the two of us. And then eventually we had this like networking event that our school told us about. Uh, it was like the entertainment networking industry night at like this main ballroom at UCLA. Ooh. And we all went and like I wore a shirt and like a tie and uh, and like a, a not like a formal jacket like a, it was a yeah. it was a tasteful modern casual look and uh, you could say business casual uh, you're a bit ahead of there you're a bit ahead of me Jimmy you're a ahead of me Jimmy so we uh, we did we did that and then Jeremy was there and we realized it's like oh no this is for people who want to be like in development at yeah. like Warner Brothers or like on the development and like administration sides of entertainment there was even people there who's like if there's any actors here at my table right now get up and walk away i don't want to talk to you and so we went okay let's take a couple of free muffins and go fuck off and then we went jeremy we've been going to the improv jam why don't you come with us because also we had just sort of sort of started to hang out the Mm. three of us and we got there and we were like well let's go up the three of us as a team what should our team name be and we were all wearing casual shirts and ties so we went business casual (laughs) and we put that in the hat and we got a great reception and then we entered this uh, thing that the improv space, I wonder if they, yeah, they do it every year. Uh, they still do it. It's called March Madness. And it's like, a, it, I think basketball got its name from uh, the improv competition. Like the, no way. Yeah. No, no way I think around. the whole basketball thing got its way from the improv competition. Yeah. That's definitely how it happened. And not at all, not at all a comedy riff on basketball. <laughs> um, but we did that and we got second in this like eight week competition. Wow. And we won a little bit of money. And then we were just like, well... And people kept saying, it's just like, did you, you guys just started doing this together. You That's have to amazing. keep doing this together. That's so cool. And then for about a year and a half, we just kept doing improv shows. We would do like half hour spots and have like two smaller teams or some stand up folk like open for us. Mm-hmm. We booked a monthly show in Koreatown for a while. We ran a cage match at the improv space for a while. And then we just started exploring writing sketches. And we would just write, like, fucking, like, lights up. Oh, we're in an office. And, like, oh, that guy's crazy. And lights down. Yeah. Those very, like, across-the-plate sketches. Because, like, me and Corey had taken a sketch class from um, a wonderful teacher and friend of ours named Gina Ippolito, who's a fantastic writer, and she's doing incredibly well right now. Um, And Jeremy had gone through the sketch track at UCB. 
And so it was very over the plate sort of sketch. Yeah. And then we saw our producer, Zach Zucker, who's producing us now at the Fringe, do his show, Zach and Vigo. And that really like broadened us on yeah, what we wanted to do on sketches. And it just showed us that like, hey, you can do shit on stage that's not ju- just improv, but it doesn't have to be like, I'm a man in an office. It can be yeah. like, hey, look, I'm over here now. And look, he's over there now. And then just like do it. I'm doing a bad job of explaining it, so but it's classic like over here and over there. Sketch. Oh yeah, the over here over there. But like he, they really broadened us our, our minds. And then like I just started talking to them a bit more about it and seeing as many of their shows as we could, and started going to a place called the Lyric Hyperion in Los Angeles, which really fosters that sort of like alternative comedy. And Corey went to Gallier, the Gallier Clown School in France for two weeks, uh, and did an intensive there last summer. And that he brought all that back, and he really like helped bring us in i hope those saws there's a lot of background noise but uh we are here in a kitchen (laughs) (laughs) in a kitchen next to a window yeah is that a that's just this heater making the water heater hey oh that's all right at least we'll have hot water yeah and at least everyone listening to this will have hot water (laughs) and yeah no now we're here and like zach took a chance on us by producing our show without having ever seen it. We were very happy when he liked it because we were very worried about it. Chance that's paying off. You guys are doing very well. No, yeah, we're doing... I'm incredibly grateful to be in the position that we're in because we just got a four-star review from the Scotsman here and we've been selling out a couple of shows and people are liking it a lot. It's a lot of uh, performers are liking it, which should not be the goal as a performer to Mm. perform to performers, (laughs) but it feeds feeds the ego a little bit. (laughs) Absolutely. It's such a lovely story, you guys leaving the meeting together and ending up at an improv gig. And I think when you guys, uh, when the biopic is made, uh, I feel like in that version, you won't have known each other beforehand. You no, yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, they'll cut out the bit where Corey and I have already yeah. been best friends and doing and improv. Just happened to run into an improv gig. No one was planning to go there. Yeah. <laughs> we all, yeah, we all hate each other at yeah. the networking event. And then we all, on our own prerogatives, go to the improv gig and somehow end up on stage <laughs> together. I don't want to perform with these guys. And then it's like fucking uh, straight out of Compton. And it's yeah. just like, wait. Play that again. <laughs> it's just like, wait, space work that to me again. <laughs> Some stupid ass bullshit. At one point, you're about to drink a can of beer. You say, oh, it's empty. Wait a second. <laughs> An empty can of beer. It kind of, we do this to. bit in our show where we keep just crushing empty cans of the audience's face. That came from us just sitting in a living room with our hands together and being like, what if we offered free beer like every comedy show, but all the beers were empty? Wait a minute. What if we just picked one person and <laughs> only gave them empty beers? Because we never, whenever we've wrote bits, it's never been like, let's sit down and write bits. It's been, we've been hanging out and then said something stupid and went, fuck, write that down. It's like, <laughs> fucking hell, Jesus Christ. But yeah, we all studied at UCLA School of Theater. So Corey and I were acting majors and Jeremy was a playwriting major. Oh, wow. And so I think that's really helped us too. Yeah, in absolutely. In terms of like... Got a few different... Perform. We do fucking warm ups before shows and stuff like that because I'm paid all that money, so I yeah. might as well get, I might as well use what I learned. Um, I have a bunch of other stuff about you here, Hunter, but I feel we should we should get onto comics we pretty quick. Comics, but, but yeah, I'm gonna say some things out loud. Okay. Zurich movement classes. That's up next. Yeah. No, I'm doing a. I'm doing a. Mo- I was a. I was in a play last year with uh, a good friend of mine who is a graduate student from Switzerland. Spring Awakenings, but not the one you not might the musical. expect. No, no, no. The 1899 Frank. 
Vedican play. Shouts out Vedican. Hey, any Ved heads out there? <laughs> yeah, there they are. Uh, and then she asked me and four and three other of the cast mates to come out to Zurich, Switzerland to do this like experimental movement piece after the fringe. And I went, usually I'd say no, but I guess where I'll fucking be anyways. <laughs> I'll just be a, yeah, so I'm going to get like a fucking puddle jumper. Uh, we're doing that. a band so, called the Goob Troop. We're not, <laughs> it's sort of, we're sort of. You like, had your last ever gig. We had, we maybe had our last ever gig. I want to keep doing it. No, business casual, we did a fake band called Goob Troop. Uh, that's G-U with an umlaut P, T-R-U with an umlaut P. We were an experimental proto-electronic rock band, and every gig was our last gig ever, and Corey and I would fight every show. But we're trained in stage combat, so mm. we would like do essentially like res- like our version of pro wrestling like <laughs> in the fucking pit of the, whatever show we played uh, to end every gig. <laughs> Uh, you're also you're a pioneer of jazz stand-up. Oh my god, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I would do this bit with my friend Colin, who's a drummer, where I didn't like doing stand-up by myself anymore because I don't like being alone on, on stage and not playing a character. That's the most pretentious thing I've ever said. But I would do this thing where I just played like a guy, like Johnny Jazz or something like that. I honest to God forget the name of it. But my friend Colin would have, it's going to be now, he would just do an underlay of like a jazz riff and whenever I would like do a shitty one-liner, I'd go hit it and then he'd do a a fill, like a do-do-do-do-do-do-do and keep going back to the, keep going back to the underlay. And uh, that had some some success. I've done three shows of that (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Yeah, I've just done a bunch of random shit. Like yeah. in terms of like where I've come from and where I'm going, I where I've come from is a is a fucking grab bag, and where I'm going, I have no fucking clue. Hey, we're all on the same path, I think. Just doing as much things as possible. No, yeah, definitely. Something works. Yeah, because like only recently have I really like dug my teeth into like the the comedy comedy circuit. Yeah, like I've always yeah. done improv since I was fourteen, but I mean like I'm taking a pause on real life to be in Edinburgh to do yeah. a show for a month. Because, like, my whole life I've been, like, a very serious theater. Yeah, and so yeah. this is, like, very refreshing and very educational to be here. But we're, we're here to talk about we're comics. We're here to talk about comics, <laughs> baby. Okay, what did, we, uh, what did we swap today? Okay, so we went to Deadhead Comics here in Edinburgh. Lovely little shop. Uh, there's a dog, apparently, who's there, but they, the, dog, the dog wasn't here today. Very upset. So I, um, I wanted to go for something a little more weird, and um, I'm really into horror. I'm getting, I've been getting into more horror comics because I always grew up reading superhero stuff. Yeah, uh, and a little Dark Horse stuff, so like BPRD and Hellboy. But my mom always raised me on Spider Man, and then I always just found myself um, really digging into like the new when the New Fifty Two happened with DC. Oh, yeah. That was that was what twenty eleven, I think so. Yeah, and that was when I started to like have my own money from things that I would do. Yeah, like maybe not even just with my family, but I would I would like do chores and be like that is that much money, or like yeah. I would sell some things to I would like thrift things and then sell them to my friends. And be like, oh, I'm getting my own money. And also, like, oh, I learned about poll lists and all these things <laughs> from local shops. And so, like, when the New 52 happened, I just really sunk my teeth into, what was I reading? I was reading Batman, Nightwing, uh, Green Lantern Corps. Oh, hello, Uh-oh, Robbie. Oh, my God, you're dressed, like tw- you're dressed like Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> what are you guys doing? We're recording. Oh, yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's me, Ebenezer. I've just been joined in the room by my roommate Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, this Robbie Doyle is wearing a full pajama set. <laughs> hey, buddy, hey, how are you doing? Good. Comic books. Yeah. Oh. Humbug. <laughs> Some water. Yeah, Go 
your thing. You enjoy yourself. But um, my girlfriend actually was not raised on... She is incredibly into comic books as well. Mm. And her father ran... Um, the ghost is getting some water. <laughs> the ghost is going to be pottering around for a bit. Uh, that's, all, that's all right. No, but... Um, yeah, so my girlfriend was also someone who was raised on comics, and she... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Can okay. we burn some sage or something? Because all these ghosts keep walking through. Okay. But, um, yeah, she was also raised on comics, but not really superhero comics. Because her dad was, in the 80s and 90s, really, in like, with the art. He was a graphic designer and an artist. He ran a magazine called Hypno, which ran a bunch of cool indie comic strips in it, and then also a lot of interviews with some fucking amazing musicians. Like he got to interview Nick Cave, Glenn Danzig. He's pals with. Um, he's just a lot of a lot of cool people. He like he bump noses with, and so because of that, he raised Francesca on like all these like really indie creator comics. Yeah. And because of her, I've been like really sort of like I've been into that like sort of, but definitely not as much as superhero stuff. I just have a soft spot for it absolutely because that's how I was raised and I've been really like now backlogging and like going through like old like issues of like creepy and like old horror comics like that and so I spotted this I spotted uh this is like a 2010 sort of like one-shot reboot of Marvel's Tomb of Terror which I believe was like around in the 60s and 70s I think so yeah I might google that in a moment just to see if I'm not talking out of my ass <laughs> but it, it's a collection of uh, we have Man Thing which is always great uh, Son of Satan and then Werewolf by Night and um, don't forget the living mummy okay there is a little thing of the living mummy in here but it it's not a comic it's no. just a, it's a story with one with like two drawings of the living mummy we did not read it I did, no we didn't read it too much text too much not too many hey, not enough pictures am I right <laughs> not enough fucking pictures dude it popped out to me because it's really cool and like old it's like reminiscent yeah. of that like old pulpy style and it was printed in 2010 so it's definitely like a like a harkening back to the days of yeah. yore and it's nice old black and white Oh yeah, right on the front, forty-eight all new pages in glorious black and white. I love like a just a full like we're doing it black and white. Yeah, like when like the art is catered, it's just like this is going to be black and white. Like I fucking love that. You're lucky because what I gave you (laughs) today was the Adventures of Jack Maggot, uh, which is an independent comic made by uh, Maggot Industries Skate Club, who I was really trying to figure out if they are in fact a skateboard company or a comics company. I really hope they are a skateboard company. There's some ads in the back for their I can't tell no, it's like an it's like very like this is even more reminiscent of like fucking old pulpy yeah, like yeah. It, it's like a giant zine. It's like mm-hmm. one of the most it's a very well produced comic zine. It's a choose your own adventure. Yes, which I sort of <laughs> sort of, yeah. Not really. It all sort of like leads into one another. It's like yeah. it makes fun of choose your own adventures a little bit. Yes. But then there's like mazes every once in a while. Yeah, the this artist clearly just loves to draw mazes. And fucking rats, which and I rats, love. Yeah. I love I love rat humor. I have such a soft spot for rat humor. Yeah. So this is Joshua D. Hoagland and this is very much I think one person's vision. Oh, yeah. This whole comic. Oh, 2017. Yeah, pretty new. Um, But I saw this, and it's one of those times when you see something that just combines so many things you love. It makes you think, surely this person was thinking of me when they wrote this. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's a comic, first of all. It's all about skateboarding. 
and it's full of puzzles. It's skateboarding. A man is a man's friends with a zombie yeah. who gives him who get, the zombie gives him his intestines in a bag to take care of, and then they fall down a sewer, and that's the inciting incident of yeah. this. Nar ass story, man. Yeah, no, it's like it's so funny that it's like you can tell immediately that it's just like you're into skating, D and D, yeah, gross shit, yeah. like <laughs> the like the like oh, what do you call it? Just the obscene, yeah. Like that's something that my girlfriend has really been turning me on to. Also with with comics, is just like the art of the obscene mm-hmm. where it's just like when something like fucking intestines and like kicking a rat after a rat tells you where a talisman is. It's just like, thanks, Rat. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then, like, guts talking to you and yeah. stuff like that. And, like, people just being ripped in half for the sake of drawing that. Yes. It is such yeah. an interesting thing to me because, like, and I know, like, I'm just, like, putting meaning behind, like, fucking guts and blood. But really, like, when something is deemed the obscene to, like, artistically, like, really flesh that out, no pun intended, as much as you can... Like, that is such a cool little, like, niche of comics that you can't really do on the main scale. So it's, no. like, there's, like, it's, char- like, there's charm to it being such, like, a fucking indie comic. Yeah. Whereas just, like, if Marvel or DC or, like, Dark Horse or, like, any of, like, the big five publishing companies did, like, that obscene stuff, they would contextualize it. The fact that, like, Jack Maggot here is drawn so, like, obviously by the same person in this sort of haphazard style but with all these obscenities in it makes it so fucking charming. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like the heightened version of drawing in your fucking notebook. Yeah. When you don't want to listen to your teacher in like math class. A lot of these pages seem to be drawings from a notebook that he's kind of built a story around. Oh yeah. There's just sections where like he goes to it, where like the character goes to a comic and tattoo shop and he takes four pages to describe just like, look at all these tattoos you can get. (laughs) And it just has these like drawings of dogs like biting each other's asses and pentagrams (laughs) and like dead rats and stuff like that. And I love it so much. I also just love a gimmick. I'm a real sucker for a gimmick. If anything has a choose your own adventure thing or a, make it your own fill in the blanks i'm all about it but this is very funny in that it's like a stream of consciousness comic that oh yeah it really doesn't matter what you choose no it'll always go back to it yeah, and, it so, goes, like, and there's even a page which is the um the illusion of freedom of choice page oh yeah and it just shows you where all the choices yeah. are <laughs> And it's, just, it's also made out of intestines. Yeah. Like all the uh, all the choices are are shown through the graphic of an intestine. I don't know what that's saying. Is that saying that uh, all these choices are shit, or uh, are we all shit? And the final choice you get to make in the comic, no spoilers, is uh, whether or not you'd like to buy issue two, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a good ploy. Yeah, would you like to buy yeah. issue two? Continue here. If not, you're done. <laughs> I do like that a lot. Oh do God. you draw yourself, Hunter? Yeah, um, uh, I do. I haven't been as on it as I, I haven't been on it recently because I've been just traveling. And I've, like when you have a show at 7 p.m., it's interesting because then the night starts pretty quickly after yeah. that. And here at the fringe, it's easy to just like not even drinking, like not just even just staying sober, talking with people. You blink and it's 4 a.m. And then you go home and you sleep a reasonable amount and you get up at noon. And so, and then you go out for a little bit and then it's time to do your show again. But yeah, I've been doodling and uh, drawing a lot more. I used to take like classes when I was a kid and I was, I painted in high school. 
but I've really I've threw all that to the wayside and just for costs and for convenience I just I just have like a moleskin and I've just been doodling these like portraits of these just like like exactly like kind of what it, like Jack Maggot reminds me of just these like awful ghoulish people saying just like the most nice mundane casual things just like a ghoul popping out of a sewer with like awful hair and bleedy eyes just asking Amazing. to pet your dog <laughs> Or like an old like an old man with a cup of tea and like bleedy nipples saying it's just like the subway should be here soon. <laughs> but also just like that's my favorite sort of like comedy is like the most like mundane specificity. Yeah. If you talk to anybody I've ever done improv with, you can fucking attest they they'll attest this, but I'm just like I love going so specific on such like uh, on like scene painting from the sides, yeah. like adding details and it's just like if two people are like in an alley, it's just like you see that there's an alley and then there's like a dead rat in the corner stuck in a bag of lays that was like half eaten and left there by a guy who threw it out of his car, like on his way to a funeral. And they're like, fucking stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the funniest thing in the world. Like when you go, it's like running across a field and then all of a sudden stopping to fucking dig a hole. <laughs> and they're like, no, we have to keep going. <laughs> it's like, what's down here? And is your style similar black and white style? Oh, yeah. No, I've never... I mean, I've had a lot more... I've barely had it. I was going to say training. I've barely had any training. But, like, I've, I've, I mean, like, the training I got is from reading comics. And yeah. just, like, noticing the styles and techniques through that. Sort of implementing that in myself. I learned cross-hatching from fucking comics, which mm. is literally just the technique of... In, to do shadows more detailed, you do very specific lines all across, and then cross-hatch it the other direction just to create like a like reminiscent of old like dot art sort of but a a little more advanced i learned that from reading like fucking jim lee's art and greg capullo's art and oh bill bill sinkovich who was one of the creators of the new mutants he his cross-hatching is fucking like it's like uh, it's otherworldly and so like just like techniques from that i would pick up and sort of implement in in my in my own drawings i've been trying to draw more yeah it's just hard to like sit down and like i'm going to draw yeah like i would do it in class is that I would do it in like in in theater school I would do it in like the classes that I would take as like general education yeah when I'd just like zone out and like I would just doodle these guys in there yeah but yeah I think I'm gonna keep doing those sorts of those sorts of little fun doodles I find it can be difficult to to get into drawing or something artistic when you do work in the arts because I feel like it's very easy to get into the way of thinking that if you're doing something artistic it needs to lead to a finished project or something you can... Oh, tell me about it, man. Well, plus I have the problem of, like, my eyes are too, like, not... I'm not, like, bigger than my stomach, but I guess, like, I can't... They won't pick a fucking restaurant. Yeah. Where I'm just, like... If if any time I see anybody who's a friend do well in their specific art, I'm like, I gotta be doing more of that. (laughs) But I'm... No, I don't. Like, I don't don't necessarily have to. Like, my friend an incredible contact improviser, which is dance improv, essentially. Um, and I've had some training in that because UCLA does that for you. And she'll do these like shows and giant pieces for them. Like, man, I got to go to those like sessions and go to that. And I'm like, I don't have to. Yeah. Like, I, it's yeah. more so just like, I really got to stop, exa- stop like it's flitting around and really going like, I want to do that, 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 and really start to like kind of hone in and pick. Mm. But yeah, I think I've been better about that lately. Like really sort of starting to pick what I really want to focus on after, I mean, Edinburgh, I can't think straight for more than 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. Like yeah. this, 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 is, this environment is insane to be in, but, and I'm so grateful to be here, but it's like a beautiful heart attack I've been having for the yeah. past two weeks. 
Um, but when I'm back in Los Angeles, I do have some pretty clear cut plans of like Sweet. classes I want to take and like directions I want to start moving yeah. into. But yeah, no, drawing I always want to keep up with, but it's never going to be, it's probably never yeah. going to be my main thing. I think, yeah, it took me a while to accept that I can just draw just for fun. Yeah. And I don't need to show it to anyone. It can be just for me. It doesn't yeah. have to be the best drawing. No, that's the thing. When I did like five of those little like creature portraits, I was starting to think like, Maybe I could talk to some people and like cut these out and maybe yeah. redo these in frame. I'm like, I don't have to yeah, like yeah. show this to anybody. <laughs> like drawing recently has been pretty therapeutic for me because like it is starting to be this thing where I'm like, cool. Because acting is like, it has been really a little bit of income, but not like huge income yet. But that's what I'm planning on like really digging into. And that's my career. And I, yeah, no, that's going to happen. But with drawing, I'm just like, it's good to find like an artistic expression that will remain outside of livelihood just for my own sanity, just to get that out. Plus, my girlfriend's a painter, too, so just to see her finished products and her works and stuff like that, it really does inspire me to be like, well, maybe I'll do a doodle here and yeah. there. Just like, and not and not to show you, like, see, I can do it, yeah, too, but yeah. just like, I don't know, being around her and her processes then, just like seeing, like, the things she had in her old apartment where she was like, I painted that, 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 and that. I was like, cool, I'm going to draw a little dude or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And we like playing Beautiful Corpse, too, which is fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Beautiful Corpse, for those who don't know, is a, it's a, a game as old as time. <laughs> and you fold a piece of paper into three bits, and then one at a time, you draw the head, the torso, and the legs of a figure. And you only, you hand it off, and you only see, like, the bottom lines of where it continues into the next section. And then you, you unfold it at the end and see, like, the fucked up dude that you've created Try it's such like childish shit but like we have such fun doing that yeah you mentioned something earlier about like uh, you don't want to do anything unless it's like a finished product that was something i struggled with for a while when i because as a child i was constantly drawing mm -hmm. and then i was very good at it for my age but then i hit about 10 and i just wasn't getting better so i was good at drawing for oh, a 10 year old but i was like 15 16 and i got very insecure stopped drawing and then one day I was just having a really bad day, and I said, I'm going to draw a little comic about it. Drew a comic. I was like, this is so much fun. Why aren't I doing this all the time? So I did get back into it as a sort of therapeutic thing. Then people started seeing those drawings and being like, oh, this is fun. This is cool. You should, like, throw these on the internet or something. Started doing that, but then it got to this stage again where it was it's just you pressure. Dude, like, talking to some professional artists that I know, it is a fucking ruthless. You have yeah. to love it more than anything. You really you do. You really yeah. do. Because I was just at Comic-Con before I came to the Fringe and talking to the artist in Artist Alley. I'm just like, you don't do anything else. You just yeah. sit in your house all day and you draw. Because this is what you're here to do. This yeah. is what you're meant to do. But holy fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like, it's insane. <laughs> can't be in my house all day. I'm fucking going insane. <laughs> like, to make finished products about the stuff you care about, you have to be able to relinquish yourself into, into being Absolutely, like, yeah. this doesn't have to be this, like, amazing fucking product mm. that I'm going to go and put out into the world. It can just be fun. Uh, Hunter, we've got to take a very quick break oh. uh, for our sponsor. What the fuck is your sponsor? <laughs> it's an ad for our print show. Oh, good. So, okay, great. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's good. No okay, my apologies. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we'll be back to talk more about the adventures of Jack Maggot and Tomb of Terror. Well, hello everyone. I am 
Jimmy Kavanagh, host of the podcast you're listening to right now, and I'm currently sitting in the kitchen of an apartment, whispering so I don't wake up my nine roommates. Why am I in an apartment with nine roommates, you ask? Because I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, a notoriously expensive time of year, and I'm here with Club Valentine's brand new show, The Valentine Boys, because the rent is due. This is our Edinburgh Fringe debut. We are all extremely excited. Ah, ah, that's right. First to the 25th of August at the Charteris Centre in just the sanctum as part of just the tonic as part of the edinburgh fringe festival at 20 past 11 at night it's pay what you want you can give us as much or as little money as you like depending on how much you like the show you can book tickets online it's going to be really really fun i'm very very excited to be here please come along and see it if you can hey Here's a little low-quality preview of our high-quality show. This is from a preview show we did in Drop Dead Twice in Dublin. Great venue, check it out, great bar. They let us use it for free, which was so cool. Uh, This is from a brand new sketch, never performed before except that day. Myself and Sam play two fast-talking, no-good con men who are pitching ideas for a new Notre Dame to Robbie, who plays the Pope in Rome. Check it out. Now, Pope, we're a couple of no-good, fast-talking combat. So we're also Catholics. Now you're talking. Please continue. See, we got a hot rod. And a rockin' body. And we believe in a Catholic God. And we got big plans for Notre Dame. But before we start, this is not a scam. We would never do such a thing to you. No, it's not a scam. I swear it's true. Now, the first big thing any good church needs is a talking con men put on the roof of the new Notre Dame, come along to the Valentine Boys because the rent is due. Chatteris Center, 
1st to the 25th, 11.20 p.m. Pay what you want. We'll see you there. <laughs> what a good ad, Jimmy. <laughs> thank you. Thank of you. Course. Hunter, you were just saying that uh, this is reminding you of how much you miss doing your old podcast, I The did Armchair. Use, yeah, I used to have a podcast uh, that I ran through. It, it was a scam. I scammed UCLA radio. <laughs> kind of. I w- got into the comedy department, which was very loose at the time and mm-hmm. sort of unmanaged. You could get away with a lot of shit. At least I did. Sorry, comedy department at UCLA <laughs> radio for not doing all my work hours that I was supposed to put in. I got. I wanted to do a show because I learned that um, they archive everything. So like, I, like it's automatically set up to on the hour cut and like save that hour's show to a Google Drive that you could then go grab and download for yourself. And so when I learned that, I was like, cool, I'm gonna do that to get a free podcast for it to have the school and this club produce the podcast for free. Um, and I would do exactly that. I had a podcast about doing interviews with young comedians because I couldn't think of anything else to do because I was like, well, I want to interview comedians because especially like sophomore year, I was like, I want to be Mark Malin. <laughs> I want to be Pete Holmes. <laughs> and so, uh, and I was still doing stand up at the time too. So it was like people I was meeting at open mics and like friends of friends from open mics and just other comedians who were really taking it seriously at UCLA. Not to say I was taking it seriously. Seriously, but they definitely were. In fact, it's paying is really paying off for a couple of my friends now, and I'm so fucking proud of them. I would I had a podcast about like young comedians' perspective on starting a career in comedy because I could only talk to people at the beginning of their careers because I was 19, <laughs> and then also uh, I I was like, yeah, that's my way to artistically spin my limitations yeah. of guest accessibility, and it was really fun. It was called the Armchair. Uh, this was before Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Experts. So I cannot do that. I can if I pick it up, I have to pick a different name. <laughs> But I had some really cool people on there. I had um, my friend Salma Zaki, who's like doing incredibly well. She just did Just for Laughs, and now wow. she's like doing a bit of a tour. She's moving to Denver, which is, that comedy scene is exploding right now. Uh, my friend Nathan Mosher, who actually told Corey and I about Zach and Vigo. No and, way. Yeah, about Zach because he met them on a train when he was studying abroad here. He met them on a train from West London to Edinburgh. He got them a show in Los Angeles, and then Corey met them at the Fringe, and then I saw them in Los Angeles, and that's what started our whole relationship. So I'm here because of Nathan Mosher. Wow. Really. And he's doing fantastic. He's doing, like, poetry and stand-up comedy. He just opened for Maria Bamford a couple of weeks ago. Like, he's doing incredibly well. Uh, He put me also in contact with Quincy Jones, not the music producer. He was a comedian who famously, um, he was diagnosed with mesothelioma, and he couldn't figure out why. I mean, he, it was because he had mesothelioma. The doctor wasn't just like, I'm going to oh, yeah. fucking <laughs> fuck with you. <laughs> but uh, he, like, the reason was never found out, the origin of his disease. And so his, like, life's goal was to get an HBO special, and he fucking worked. And he did, like, three sets a day for a year and a half, and then he got a crowdfunded special put on HBO. That's amazing. And then I talked to him, and that was a really cool perspective. And, like, he yeah. was the best guest I ever, uh, like, at yeah. least, like, the most notable guest I had. And also one of the best guests I had. But he also was like a younger person. He was was only 28. And so... That's insane. Um, yeah. And Even just to, to start your life being named Quincy Jones. Like that's he, well, he wasn't. He, no, his, oh, okay. his real name isn't Quincy Jones. His his last name is a very, he, he'll say it himself, is very confusing. I forget what it is because I've just called him Quincy Jones for so long. One night in an open mic, a guy was like, hey man, how do I spell your name? It's like, it, Jones, Quincy Jones. Like that's that's my name. It's, it's Quincy Jones. And then he just, he's gone by that. 
just alone. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was a really cool fucking experience. It really like put me in tune with like people's processes and yeah. like I'm not necessarily doing stand up anymore. I'm an actor, but it's like I don't know anything good to put into the fucking toolbox. Why not? <laughs> I sound so fucking pretentious. <laughs> We're talking about comics. Comics, yes. Speaking of Quincy Jones versus Quincy Jones and what's the difference? I have a question. Maybe you can help me out mm-hmm. with what is the deal? Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the deal with Man Thing and Swamp Thing? Okay, got it. All yeah, right, okay. I'm on this. What's so, going on here? Man Thing, Marvel, Swamp yeah. Thing, DC. And that's e- it? Easy, no, no, no. Oh. Easy difference right there. Because Man Thing lives in a swamp. Man Thing does live in a swamp. It's a little confusing. Man Thing's whole thing is, Man Thing's whole thing, <laughs> the whole man, is that he is, he was a human that was trapped. His consciousness is in this, like, hulking, like, mm horrendous like like giant thing his whole thing is struggling with keeping his consciousness and also if he touches people that fear him uh they start to burn oh, <laughs> i like, noticed that yeah i was wondering yeah, what was yeah, going yeah, on yeah, there. yeah and like that's his whole thing is trying to maintain the sliver of consciousness that he still has from being a good man who's trapped in the body of this like hulking thing swamp thing however is a conscious being he's connected to something called the green which is like this sort of ethereal, omnipotent force of nature. Swamp Thing is nature, sort of. Okay. In a way. And nature is Swamp Thing. Because the green is also connected to the red, which is what Animal Man uses. And so he's control. another one of the the things? No, he's a man that can that is in contact with animals and everything like that. Around the time of the New 52, actually, they had a really big crossover event called The Red. And it was uh, really, really fucking good. But then, yeah, no, the best Swamp Thing, uh, I think, ever was written by Alan Moore back in the late 80s, early 90s. And he really set the precedent of, like, what people now do with Swamp Thing and, like, his whole MO. So Man-Thing is a little more... He was born out of horror comics. Hmm. And Swamp Thing, I believe, was born from Detective Comics. I might be wrong. I think he his first appearance was in Detective Comics, but he has a bit more of like a an awareness to his actions. Yeah. Whereas Man Thing is like more similar to like like a Hulk type figure, where it's like where does the where is the consciousness of the man and where yeah. does the thing begin? Like ah. that sort of thing. Which, do you know which one came first? I think Man Thing. Man Thing. Because but yeah, he he came out of like old horror comics. Yeah. 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 Like, he would be in the old pulpy, like, Marvel, like, yeah. double issue, man thing, <laughs> <laughs> and the living mummy, and, like, old stuff. That's why, that's why this really stuck out to me, because I was really trying to do that. Yeah. And then, like, I, then there's also Son of Satan and Werewolf by mm-hmm. Night. I have, do you have a favorite of the three? I love Man-Thing. Like, I yeah. do, yeah, like, old Man-Thing. And also, just in this issue, there's the, this is, like, the 2010 Tomb of Terror. This is the, it's the best written story, at least. I'm, I'm familiar with Son of Satan. Like, it's sort of, like, Marvel's parallel to John Constantine. That's exactly what I was thinking, really. Yeah, a little bit of, their little Hellblazer-y kind of thing. Yeah. It just doesn't work as well, I think. Yeah, it's interesting that we've got Man-Thing... Who's like Marvel something and and Son of Satan? Satan. And what's the name John that they Constantine. have? Yeah, Damon what? Hellstrom. Hellstrom. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. No. He. Yeah. And he has that sort of like connection to hell and everything like that. And apparently Lucifer talks to him, but he's trying to. He's like a good a do-gooder. Yeah. A la how Constantine talks to the occult and stuff like that. But again, Constantine is a better written character, <laughs> I think. And Hellstrom, like I might be. Talking out of my ass, but I remember that he's, like, considered, like, no one ever knows what to fucking do with him. 
Yeah. And like, like his continuity is all over the fucking place. And I don't know Werewolf by Night, actually. I did not know that character. Oh, this was when Joe Quesada was the editor-in-chief of Marvel. Were those good years for Marvel? It or? was the... It was pretty good years. It was messy years. I mean, that was when, like, Spider-Man was going through the whole brand new day thing. If uh, For those who don't know, Spider-Man, when Civil War happened in the of comics... Course. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and Spider-Man publicly unmasks himself, which then he then realizes is a mistake. In the comics, through his continuity, Kingpin tries to assassinate him instead kills Aunt May and to reset everything Marvel may uh, uh, Spider-Man makes a deal with the with the demon Mephisto mm. to bring Aunt May back to life and make everyone forget he was Spider-Man and the cost was trading his marriage with Mary J Watson one of the stupidest <laughs> things in comics. Spider-Man is my favorite hero, but like... No way, same. Uh, well, yeah, I feel no. like that's not too strange. Yeah, thing no, it's not. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but it's just like... No, he his, like, his MO... I could talk about Spider-Man for three hours yeah. about why he's the best... He's the best, like, character on a baseline. Yeah, no, that is... Uh, is big stupid. And yeah. then immediately after that, there was Brand New Day, which had some really cool bits. That arc with trading the marriage for May's life and everyone forgetting it was Spider-Man was called uh, One More Day. Bad. Uh, Brand New Day was a pretty solid reboot, mm. and that's what brought in like a character called Mr. Negative, which is actually the main villain in like the newer Spider-Man game, which is great, by the way. And some really cool, like, like newer Marvel stuff. But, dude, recently Marvel's been fucking not hitting it out of the park. No? Like, I've always been more, like, DC in terms of comics. Like, I'll usually I'll usually trust DC a little more yeah. with, like, what they do with the comics. But Marvel has rebooted so many things they so have, many times. In the past, like, seven well. years. Yeah. And, like, fucking hell. When they, um, when they introduced Kamala Khan as the new Miss Marvel... Who is a young Muslim girl who has um, a multitude of powers and took over the the moniker of Miss Marvel when Miss Marvel was like fully rebranded as Captain Marvel? Like six issues in, after that it was like issue number one, and it's like, what the fuck is yeah. happening? They keep doing that, <laughs> yeah, because they keep and they keep having writers sort of retcon things and are inconsistent. But then also these writers have to play to these giant events that Marvel does every fucking yes. three months. It's crazy. where it's like, all right, the world's ending again. Yeah. Um, guess what? The X Men are crazy again. Yeah. <laughs> guess what? Cyclops wants it wants genocide again. And it's like, fuck, fuck me, man. But yeah. like DC has been pretty good with even in when they do these giant events. They will limit it to like certain books, like Death of the Family happens with the Batman like thing of like the Joker had gone missing for a while and cut off his face and then like mm. he came back and like to kill all of the Bat family. That really just affected the Batman adjacent books. Yeah. Which was manageable. That was totally fine. And every little while or so they'll do a giant event, but they have pretty good organization. Just as a fucking business model that and like as organizing their writers to be able to do these giant events, but then also keep their own sort of books in line and like leave creative freedom to the writers a little bit. The only way that they can slice the, the that that slighted DC in the last couple of years really is when they give their writers a little too much creative freedom and it's just like why did you do that like but at least they like trust their writers yeah. and like they give them enough leeway whereas Marvel has been just so panicky like you can if you look at what they've been doing with their books and how they cancel books and like reboot books all the time they don't trust the people like and yeah. they don't trust readers and they don't trust their they don't trust their creators because they're like it's not working fucking re reboot it or yeah. fucking cancel it yeah. yeah 
Where it's ironic because they obviously kill so hard with movies. Of and course, DC yeah. shits the bed so much with movies. But and I like, feel like that could be part of the problem is that so much more people are getting into Marvel from seeing these huge films. And so they feel like they have to reboot it because they need people to have an entryway. Exactly. And like they and you wanted... notice like when Captain Marvel came out, they restarted the Captain Marvel mm-hmm. with a, a whole new origin where mm-hmm. she's been free this whole time. Well, yeah, granted... Captain Marvel has had some fucking... Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's this... You, anyone who wants to look into it, it's, it's just awful. And it's it's just a shit thing that happened to the character. I forget what writer did it. It was this whole thing where she was, like, captured and taken back through time and sexually assaulted and, like, she gave birth to the guy that assaulted her in the past. Like, yeah. it was this whole weird thing and it really fucking demeaned her as a character. And really brought her down and really just fucked up the continuity. She's had like seven origin stories. Yeah, they like really... People, Captain Marvel, like, uh, that's why, like, it maybe wasn't necessarily the most, like, shining star film. But I was, I was like, you made a fucking cohesive film out of this yeah, character. Yeah, <laughs> And, like, pretty good, like, you gave her, like, a good prerogative and, like, a pretty good, like, direction to go in. And so for that, I was like, A+. plus, Alright. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I've always been more of, like, a DC and Vertigo and Dark Horse fell out with yeah. um, and comics like I would always buy Spider-Man when I could but never with Marvel I would never buy issues I would buy trades and now that I'm like a busier fellow with not as much money to get pulls every week I'm just like damn I love I have all of the new 52 run of Batman no way like all of the issues in a box but that's the last like full yeah. run of an issue that I have because I just then went to college and I picked that I got the last few on Amazon when they were still coming out mm. before they went into rebirth. Sorry if this is flying over any no. head. Yeah. But um <laughs> yeah, no, I just buy trades now, man. It's a little cheaper and then like also I'm just like it's less stuff to organize. And also when I'm in a point in my life when I'm moving at least every year, it's just I don't care if they get dinged up as much yeah. because they're they're printed by the, the hundreds, thousands. And so but with issues I like bag and board all of them and I keep them nice and I try to like keep them pristine especially because like actually with those new 52 Batmans I got Scott Snyder to sign no way I got Scott Snyder to sign the first one and the Joker issue so hot stop hot dog (laughs) baby but uh yeah it's like one of my like do not touch that (laughs) but yeah no I want to be able to get to a point in my life financially where I can like have a shop nearby because I want to support shops that's the thing because what I learned recently really fucked up well it's not it's just the relationship between shops and creators because comics ratings like uh, the official comics code ratings of comics are all based on pre-orders not at all reception post-release it's all based on numbers of pre-orders and just how much the and comic that, shop orders yeah and that's what publishers look at when they're deciding to cancel books or not is how much people are pre-ordering it which i didn't realize because i would never do that yeah. Like, not not even saying, like, oh, I'd never do that. But, I mean, like, in the past, I've never been one to do that. I've always been one to be like, oh, I heard that was good because it's come out. Yeah. So I'll buy it now. Or I'll, like, look at, I'll talk to a shop owner. I'll talk to my friends who are reading. And I'm just like, well, what are you reading recently? Because I need stuff to read. Like, and I'll then go do that. Because I'm someone who hasn't had the capital to sort of, like, take a chance. But that's, it's really fucked. So if you really want a book to not get canceled and you know that it's in danger, you have to pre-order it. Because that's what'll show that people are still interested in it. Which is a crazy rating system. Do you hear what happened with The Walking Dead? 
recently? No, I've, I've read its ending, but I didn't yeah. know what okay, happened. So what happened was, I think it just did, because Kirkman and, like, all the, on all the pre-order slots, there was pre-orders available, or at least, like, issues, like, listed for this month, the next month, and October, and then... Kirkman and, and and Image and Skybound released a statement saying, surprise, it's actually this this one. Those two in advance were fake. This is, this the, is last the last issue. One. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which is like, and he released a whole statement, which is, it justifies it pretty well, I think, which is like, hey man, you never know, like, when you're watching The Thing, you don't know when The Thing is going to end. You, you're not you're not supposed to know that the ending is necessarily coming. It's just supposed to happen. And so that's what I wanted to do with it. But I was reading online. And so many public, like, shop owners are like, fuck this, man. I have so many people calling me angry, telling me, why didn't I tell them that this was the last issue? Because now I did not order enough. It On one hand, it's like, well, if you're an avid reader of The Walking Dead, rewards to you. Yeah. But then also at the same time, it's like, yeah, but it is like one of the most famous series of all time. And you are kind of ending it. And it's like, it's cool in a way. But like, there are all these caveats to the comic book industry, to the shop industry that people just don't realize. And all these snags that get hit. And the way that pre-orders happen and the way that ratings happen and the relationship between shop owners and then the middlemen of like Diamond and then the publishers. It's just this, like, crazy shit. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. If you want your comics to fucking survive, yeah, you gotta pre-order them. Pre-order. Uh, Hunter, we are just running out of time. Okay, sorry uh, I ended with you all for this. <laughs> this like, a, a it's a system. Dive. This is yeah. a system. Help comics. <laughs> you need to know. Yeah. Um, so I guess before we go, if you were swapping comics again, would you recommend either of these to a friend? I'd recommend Jack Maggot, mm-hmm. at very least. Tomb of Terror was a, is a definitely a very fun, like, oh, look at that. A, light, a nice little yeah. puppy read. Yeah. We went to a coffee shop and read these it's just like a, a lovely read on a rainy day mm. um but it, like to support creators this is a newer kind of thing i i definitely i definitely would uh, recommend the adventures of jack maggot it's fun it's obscene it's indie baby is there anything else you'd recommend to the folks at home oh shit i just went to the eisners and i had a whole list of like things that wanted the eisners and things that i wanted to win at the eisners i mean i just i'm rereading batman white knight i know you talked about yes. it before great comic. i fucking love sean murphy's work and i fucking love batman white knight what am i really fucking excited for right now that i'm trying to get into i mean fucking hey man uh i'm saga I've like I'm so far behind in Saga, but I love Saga. It's Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, and then you know what? I'm finally reading Preacher. I fucking love it. Oh my god, I love Ennis. Uh, oh my god, and I need to. I'm watching the Amazon series of The Boys right now. Oh yes, and it's great. Like, yeah, have you read it? Uh, no, I've been meaning to, oh. and I need to read The Boys. So if anyone wants to, the ghost is back. The ghost is back. <laughs> yeah, so Just all that time. Out of extra small condoms. <laughs> Thanks, ghosts. Yeah, the ones we share. <laughs> well, you're not, you're not supposed to reuse those, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you just been rinsing those off? No, that's bad. <laughs> um, we're just finished. If you want to help us sign off, Mr. Ghost. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, so if there's any final words anyone would like to say. He's going to gargle. Uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm Ideal Stepdad, all one word on Instagram, and that's really the only thing I use. So and you are the Ideal Stepdad. Yeah, and if you find my address, oh, the ghost is gone. Or you can find my address on the internet and like really? pay some dark web. No, I don't know. Pay a dark web guy and like send me something nice in the mail. Ah, oh, you know what? I will, honey. Thanks, Jimmy. I will. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, man. Of course. Break legs with the rest of the run of the show. As to you Very with the Valentine exciting. Boys. Thank you so much. 
And that's going so. Uh, <laughs> I never. I always forget how to end it. You know uh, yeah. the. You know we should. You know what should be. Okay, should so be. we're gonna go. Uh, the and these comics have been swapped. Catch Hunter Sailing in Business Casual at the Edinburgh Fringe every day at 7.05pm from now until the 25th of August in Underbelly Cowgate. Hunter also asks that you check out the Super Literate Project at superliterateproject.org, a new non-profit that helps get comics into the hands of kids in the foster care system and group homes to promote literacy. Comic Swapping Comics has been a Club Valentine podcast produced by Jimmy Cavanagh with special thanks to Benedict Desdale for the theme song. You can keep up to date with all things Club Valentine by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or visit clubvalentinecomedy.com. Happy Valentine's Day! There you go. Good night. <laughs>